Welcome back, Crusaders, to the Nerd Crusade Podcast, episode 51. I'm your host, Ian, and as always, uh, joining me is Courtney. Hello. And this week, we are going to top off uh, the end of season one of Monarch. Uh, I'm going to talk about the new show, Echo, at least the first episode that we watched, and talk about the first episode of True Detective, season four, Night Country, that just came out. Um, so, that's the new shows for the beginning of the new year. And we'll uh, just jump right in. So, Monarch, uh, last time we hadn't talked about episode 9 yet, but no. we have finished the season, so episode 9 and 10 we'll uh, basically kind of discuss here. Yep. Well, 9 and 10 luckily blend into each other really uh, well, so that's a nice perk to it. Yeah, so in 9 we find out that um, basically Shaw got the government to agree to do like a manned mission into one of these rift portals. Yep, and um, that was in 1962. 1962, so uh, Bill Randa, which... Um, Bill, Bill Randa has this theory that there are portals there. They convince the government to give the funding. They send in a manned mission with a pod that Lee decides he is going to man himself. Well, Lee, along with, with like, three other people. Three other... Uh, yeah, along with three other, uh, like... Astronauts, I guess. Yeah, sure. Let's call, call them that. <laughs> but basically, they do like a test. They were basically they're using a um, they're using the Japanese guys like bait ball mm-hmm. to lure a Titan, and the Titan starts coming through a portal, and then they turn it off, and then it'll leave, and they'll follow it back through the portal to wherever they go to. Um, so they do this big test, and basically. Leading them fall through this fall through this rift, land in this other world, which it's not the like um hollow earth world that Kong that we've in. seen in Kong versus Godzilla. Yeah, it's definitely not that place. It's somewhere different. Yep. Yeah. Um, they explain it a little more in episode, episode 10. ten. Yeah, but basically he's there and like Shit goes down, everything's broken, people, the rest of his crew gets killed and most of his crew gets killed. It- uh, there's a few people that survived the initial... Yeah, one guy died died going through. The people who survived the initial crash, but while they're there, people... shit happens, they die, and then yeah. he gets sucked back in through the rift and wakes up in a forest. Yeah. Like, in Japan. Um, at that point, he's, like, wandering around. They get him to a hospital. He wakes up in a hospital. He's, like, being contained. Um... He keeps yelling that he wants to talk to Randa. Bill Randa, yeah. And then he keep then like basically nobody's talking to him, so he goes on a hunger strike. Um to the point where he has where he has to take somebody hostage. Uh takes a nurse hostage and demands to talk to Bill Randa, and that's when um Hiroshi shows up, which is, as we know, Kate's father. Kate's Kate's father and yep. and, and Kieko's son, who's a grown man now, who tells him that Bill Randa's dead. And that is 1982, I think. It's 1980 something. Yeah, it's early to mid 80s. Yeah, basically, he wakes up. He says he spent like a week there. Like a week and a half or two weeks, roughly. Yeah, in this other world and came back, and it was over 20 years later. So he. So that's why he's. That's why he's 90 something and so spry because he's not actually 90. He didn't age. Yeah, he's actually 70. Something years old now. Yeah, because like you basically spent what happened there is what this basically episode gives the whole background of what what's leaving doing this entire time. Once he finds out Bill Rand is dead, Monarch basically throws him into that retirement home and leaves him there for thirty years. Yep. 
And since, like, Rand is dead and he knows nothing and nobody will give him any information, he basically just sits there and does nothing in this prison made to look like a retirement home. Mm-hmm. Where they try and keep him drugged up or whatnot because um, they're not going to listen to what his response on are or give him back any of his command that he had with Monarch because it's been 20 years, right? Um, until G-Day happens, that's when he decides, okay, shit's going down. I need to figure out a way to get out. Yeah. Um, so that might be like how he had his connection in Korea to, already set up to get them out of Japan to Korea and like be able to go where he needs to go. Because um, they don't really explain like how he knew that guy or how he knew that was set up. He must have been setting yeah. that up in that facility before uh, Kate and them showed up. And that just was an opportune moment to like, okay, cool, let's execute his plan. Exactly. Escape. Um, but basically that's what we find out is that that's why he's old and he's not a, a crippled old man. And that's why... Yeah. That's why he's not a true 90-year-old. And that's why he's been... Well, that's where he's been the past 30, 40 years mm-hmm. of his life uh, during all the events that's been going on. And then back to modern-day people. Uh, Lee and May wake up, wake in, up in this other world because they fell down the hole after yeah. the Titan. Tate also is down there, but we don't see her. She's separated yeah. from Lee. So Lee finds May. May. And he's helping guiding her through the dangers that he experienced when he came down that killed his people. Yeah, like lightning coming out of the ground from the... the and for the, once, May is fucking listening. Yeah, from, like, <laughs> from like the rift uh, teleportation, like the ground gets electrified and like lightning bolts start striking up out of it or whatnot that were killing, killed some of those people. So he's helping May avoid that as they're getting out of that area. Yeah, it's very Princess Bride moment. Yeah, almost, yeah. <laughs> um, and like, they're trying to find Kate and he's trying to, that's when he tells her like, Hey, we don't, time's not on our side. And that's when they show us that him being down there meant like a lot of time is passing up, up top. Yeah. Cause I'll cut back to, uh, Kentaro's Who was uh, like, timeline where we see him in the hospital and then next the time cast we, with the cast, the next time his cast is off, but is, uh, is on crutches for his leg. And it, it just keeps coming back and forth between yeah, him and show like, progress of time. And even like uh, Tim, the guy from Monarch, his uh, he you see him walking with a cane and eventually he doesn't have a cane. And time is passing. They're just not telling us how much time is passing. Um, but Kintaro confronts his dad, tells him Kate's dead. And, and his dad actually breaks down, which was nice yeah, to see. Like he actually cared about it. Um, but his dad also asked him, like, hey, come work with me and we'll help stop all this stuff. But Kintaro wants him to, like, um, admit that he does care about his about his family or something. Yeah, like, find Kate. Like, I know she's alive. Because uh, the one monarch guy that well, has been... Well, no, that goes in episode, episode, episode 9, so. he says something to his dad, like, hey, there's one thing I, I need you to tell me first, which is kind of like going on the lines of, like, why did you have two families? Why this? And his dad's like... That's not important. There's a bigger picture. I don't want to answer yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, you're right. So Kintaro walks out on him. and then Which, fucking fair. Yeah, because he's like, I'll help you only if you tell me why. And the dad doesn't want to face the truth of that. Because the dad's a piece of shit. Yeah. So then, um, what we end up seeing by the, the end of episode nine, the big catch is that we see Kate waking up in that other world. Mm-hmm. And there's another, like, Titan. Not really a Titan. Maybe it's Titan. Maybe it's not. 
because uh, Titans technically aren't really from that area, which we find in episode 10, but it was like a, a boar, a giant boar thing. It looked like a boar from uh, Princess Mon. Yeah. Thing, actually. It was really cool. Like, all the creature designs in this has been really great. Yeah. So, like, she's kind of hiding from this boar that's kind of stalking her, and then right before it charges her, it gets shot with an arrow and dies. Um, and you find out that Keiko is alive and been living in this underground world, and she is looks exactly like she did when she fell into the rift in 1959, I think, is when she fell. No, it was like 57 or something. 57, yeah. 56, 57. Yeah, so when she she looks exactly the same. Mm-hmm. Um, that's how the episode ends with us knowing that Cake's grandmother's alive. Mama. Uh, all that and all that. And then episode 10 starts. And that's when we get to see, um, obviously, Kay, uh, Lee, Maya, and Keiko all... Everybody meets re- up. Meets up and reunites. But, like, on the top world, um, you see that <laughs> Hiroshi's, like, getting divorced. So yeah, clearly, so it's clearly mentioned like he has to do stuff ready for a divorce that's in San Francisco, and his wife in Japan is like, "Yeah, get the fuck out, pack your shit up." <laughs> um, and it, even though like she gives him back the ring, she says he, uh, Kintaro deserves a relationship with his father. Which, yeah, yeah, and then he leaves anyway, um, because he's a piece of shit. <clears throat> but then Kintaro's like trying to get back, to, trying to figure out what, uh, kind of piecing things back together again a little bit because mm-hmm. he's. Can't really just get back to his normal life because Kate's dead and uh, he's healed up now. Uh, he's Mon- trying to figure out what to do. Yeah, and then Monarch, the guy at Monarch is Monarch is like on the alert because all these rifts are getting more powerful as they keep closing, right? Trying to stop another <laughs> G-Day from happening, but they yeah. don't know what's going on. Although they've found a signal within the rift of, uh, that's being sent through it, which means somebody's calling for help, um, which... Which obviously isn't leading them, but it was Keiko from uh, the start. She was sending a signal, and uh, it's just now reaching them. Uh, well, they're actually looking at it. They weren't looking at it before. Like the in the, in sixty two when or when he went down there, they weren't looking at the roof anymore after Lee disappeared because they assumed he died. Right and when well, he came back, yeah. they obviously weren't listening to Lee, so they still weren't looking into the rifts. And now that they are focusing on it. The researcher from Arizona actually picked up the signal and saw, hey, here's mm-hmm. a rhythmic signal. Somebody's sending something. But Monarch is ignoring it as in there's bigger things to deal with than this. So they're no longer paying attention to the fact that there's somebody possibly alive down there sending a signal for help and nobody and they're just not going to do anything. Yeah. So Tim ends up leaving and finding uh, Kintaro and trying to get his help. Uh, that's where then they he then confronts his father again and says, hey, you want me to help you? Let's go, but I'll only do it if you help me get our sister, my sister back. Yeah. Uh, now under the hope that she's alive and that they're possibly alive under there. And then, then this is when we find out that back in the rift, uh, Keiko's been there for 56 days. Yes. So, like, all this time has passed in just 56 days. Ma- Maya, Ma- Maya and uh, Kay and Lee now have been down there for, like, it's been, like, maybe a you day. Mean me. Who's Maya? Maya, the black chick. Maya. May. May, yeah, May. Uh, <laughs> My God, the fuck? They've been there for like maybe a day, right? About a day, yeah, give or take. Um, they find out Keiko was sending the signal. It's coming from the the bait bomb that um, Lee had attached to his his ship when they land when they went through the in sixty two. Keiko found found it and is set and reconfigured to send a signal. 
he wants her to reconfigure it back to the way it originally was because he has a plan on how to get back, but they have to get back to where his ship was. Yep. So they have to carry this giant metal ball through the forest. Yes. So three girls and a 70-year-old man trek through the forest with a giant ball. Yeah. Um, they're getting, trying to get back to where they're at. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas now um, Kintaro, his, short, his, his father, and Tim and them have now teamed up with where Tim says, hey, Monarch's not the only game in town. And we leave it at that. They leave it at that, and that they're all going to work together and try and f- find Kate and them in the rift. Mm-hmm. And so inside this rifted world, uh, that's where Keiko's telling us, like, hey, this isn't where the Titans are from. This is like a world in between worlds. It's like a patchwork of our world and their world and a bunch of weird shit. So it's kind of like this in-between area. Yeah. Uh, which is kind of weird. So it's not like the Hollow Earth that Kong's from. Um, which didn't seem like that was a portal that got Kong there, because, again, Kong threw well, a hole through it. Yeah. Well, also, he kind of had to run through this, like, tunnel thing in Antarctica. Yeah, that's one way to get down there. But then at the end of uh, King of Monsters, he blows a hole through the roof to get to Hong Kong, where they fight the Mechagodzilla. Oh, yes, yes. So he literally blows a hole through the surface of the Earth to get there, so that it can't be a portal so, to that world. That's yeah. part of Earth. So Hollow <laughs> Earth must be... Is probably different, completely different and separate from these other Titans. Yeah. Weird. It's, it's so like, a little weird. Yeah, but. so like it's Hollow Earth and then there's these other dimension worlds where the Titans are probably from. And then there's supposedly Godzilla's probably from our world. Allegedly, maybe. He's terrestrial to us and then he's keeping the Titans back or something. That's kind of the running theme. Again, nobody knows what Godzilla's thinking because it's all through the perspective of people who don't know what the fuck's going exactly. on. Exactly. Well, basically, they get back to the pod. They get it all set up. It's been working fine. Like as she said, like hey, it's, he's only probably left it here for like a couple for like a week or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, the time there versus the time that he's been gone. Um, so everything's powered up and works fine. And his plan is they're going to lure a Titan to sh- uh, have the rift pop open, uh, and then it's going to suck them through the rift and spit them back out on Earth, which yep. is. Kind of basically what happened to him was, which was they crash landed, people started dying. They still had the ball there that was still em- emitting the gamma uh, radiation that would attract a Titan, and then one showed up, and then he got sucked back into the rift and ended up in uh, in the eighties, basically. Yeah, in the eighties and somewhere in Japan. Yeah, so they do this plan, but it attracts a Titan that's already in this like half this area world and not actually a, a Titan through a rift. It starts to attract the Titan through Earth, but it's taking some time. But this giant bat shows up and basically starts fucking shit up. And honestly, like, you don't... Knocks the power, and so... Yeah, they have to, they, they they have to doc, get out. They have a Doc Brown moment. where Yes. So Lee volunteers to get out. Because the whole time we were, like, they got all in. He told everybody to strap in, but he's the only one not wearing a seatbelt. I know. And we kept yelling, like, like get your ass in there. Like, why aren't you wearing a seatbelt, Lee? Why aren't you wearing a seatbelt? He told everyone else to wear a seatbelt. So, like, he, he jumps out. To have his Doc Brown moment where he has to uh, get the ball and connect the wires closer. Because for some reason they didn't, they only brought the ball as close as they needed to, not close to have slack. I, I would have had so much <laughs> slack. It would have been like ass to elbow next to it. it wasn't like, oh, we need to put it here so the bait balls for for, for, for safety. It was like, it was like 15 feet away from It me. wasn't even 15 feet. It yeah. was maybe, maybe 10, if that. Yeah. I would say it's probably like And then, So he like feet. pushes it like two feet over so he, he can get some slack. Like, and then he connects it with all this giant bats flying around. Trying to get at but him. But then, boom, the Titan that they were calling was got, actually ended up being Godzilla, who shows up. 
has his dad moment. Yeah, there's a, there's <laughs> one clip, there's one like one like second frame of him sitting there with like his arms to his side like a disappointed dad. <laughs> Whereas he comes out of this riff and you see Godzilla fight this giant bat, rip it to shreds. So you get your Godzilla fight moment in this uh, series. So yeah, you're his, welcome, fans. His atomic breath gets used and all that. <clears throat> and then uh, they start getting sucked into the riff and Lee's trying to hold on. He's like not inside. inside, So he runs, he jumps on it, and then Keiko grabs him. He's trying to hold on. And then he's like, No, you need to go. It's too heavy. We can't make it. And it's like, Shit, Lee, get your ass in there. Yeah. And so he lets go of her and falls. And her and the pot and them go through the rift. Yep. And so he's left in this other world. I think they're trying to assume he's dead, but with no body. No, no no body, no death. No death. Yeah. I don't assume he's dead yet. Yeah. So he's in this rift. I, I hope he's not. Yeah, he's left in the Rift world where there, and then boom, they come back to Earth. Or he could hitch a ride with Godzilla, like on his tail. He just like holds on. Yeah, maybe. Like, we'll see what happens. <laughs> uh, but they, boom, reappear on this base in stormy weather, and boom, there's people there waiting for them. They don't know. They're um, trying to usher them along, usher but they're along. all confused and disoriented. Yeah, they see that. Fair. Kentaro's there. Hiroshi's there. Um... And, like, it's kind of this nice moment where Hiroshi has to be the parent, and, like, he sees Kate and uh, is being a parent there. Yeah. And then he sees his mother, and then now you see him be a child as she embraces him. Yeah. Which was kind of, like, a cool moment to see. It was a sweet moment. And, like, also her introducing... One he doesn't deserve, but still. Also her introducing Kentaro to his to her, her his grandmother. Yeah. And, like, her seeing that her, her son's life went on, it wasn't destroyed... Because at first Keiko like said, "No, I'm going to stay behind because I don't want to ruin my son's nothing. life." I have nothing. It's like, no, you have work to do, and like you, your knowledge will help immensely with what's coming. And then how it ends is that they all get ushered into this hangar and they have to run because boom, when the thunder and lightning, Kong is screaming over the mountains, yeah, just wandering around, and that that's when we realize we're on Skull Island, um, and it's Apex, Apex that's uh, uh, helped them get back, kind of. Yeah, it's yeah, and the thing is, like, it's not that Apex is. Where they figured out how where they would pop up, most likely. And so Apex uh, is ones that they went to, which it's kind of weird because Apex is like a subsidiary of Monarch now because of what how they had to get Maya out of her. her, You mean May? May out of her shit trouble, right? I just wanted to say Maya. I don't know why, but like because the next uh, uh, show we're talk about, there's a character called Maya in there. Oh, okay. Maybe that's it. That's why. But basically, like, because where Kong Kong ends up, because this is now 2017, so it's still before King of the Monsters. Yep. I think it's, it's about before, a year before. And it's before Kong versus Godzilla. Yes. That's what we find So it's before end. Kong gets so, transferred. Well, yeah. What we've seen now is that the storm has now engulfed Skull Island, and then by Kong versus Godzilla, we have... No, we now we know by that in that movie that Monarch has built a facility to move Kong off of Skull Island to a place that's uh, in a enclosed habitat that's safe. Yeah. Um. So Monarch and Apex has to be working together at that point. But basically, this was a research station that that they had set up on Skull that Monarch had set up on Skull Island. That Apex took over. That boom, they come back to, and then that's kind of where the show ends, leading us to. What might be the events of uh, King, 
King of the Monsters, King of Monsters. Godzilla versus which is which is now then it kind of explains where did all those other Titans go. If Godzilla said go back, they all went back through their rifts, and that's why they're not wandering around or destroying shit on Earth right. after the fact. Because that's a big question after King of the Monsters is like, cool, there's all these Titans that showed up, they're all bowing to Godzilla at the end of the movie. Now what? What the fuck? Where the fuck do they go? Yeah, <laughs> when. Uh, Kong versus Godzilla showed up. Like they don't explain it in that movie at all. They don't, they don't even mention that. Oh, they just all disappeared. It's like it's just, they just go on their merry way. It's like oh, the Titans aren't here anymore. <laughs> La di da. Um, this kind of explains what happened to them there, which kind of answers that question that those two movies kind of gapped had a gap. gap. They had a gap and they never bothered to explain <laughs> it. So this kind of leads you to some logic lines of where the where what happened to all those and where they went. Um. So that's pretty cool. Will there be a season two? There's no news yet, but people are hoping so. that they're that this is plotting to a season two that will lead up to King of the Monsters and up to the next Kong versus Kong X Godzilla that's coming up next. Yeah, which looks like an orangutan is going to fight Kong, and Godzilla has to come come, come and, and be a dad again. Be like, I'm yep. disappointed. But overall, really enjoyed Monarch. I love it. It's all out now, so you can go and watch it all in one binge session. The one thing that I didn't realize in the last episode, though, <laughs> was that John Goodman's character, who starts off this episode, starts off the show in the very beginning, and is from uh, Kong, is Bill Randa. I didn't realize that yeah. was his name because I, I don't recall his name from the movie that much. Yeah, because I'm like, you you do get. Get that? <laughs> yeah, I didn't realize that John Goodman was was Randa because also that's why they showed him at the beginning. Also, because the Rand, the young Randa does not look like anybody that would become John Goodman by any. I mean, very fair, but especially when you have have the the years weren't have, kind. To especially when you have Kurt Russell's kid playing him, and they look alike, and they look like the oh, uh, the actual. Every, well, not everyone has a yeah. child that looks exactly like them, and is also in their same profession. Yeah, but like they like. Like there's no correlation between John Goodman and and, and I, I understand, that guy. but I yeah you could have found someone with that you'd be like okay I could see him turning into a John Goodman yeah so not but, real not so. remembering the guys the guy's name from the Kong movie and not realizing that that was Bill Randall like it's it took okay. me ten episodes like oh shit Bill ten Randall episodes and then uh, the dad watching. John Goodman's goodbye uh, message that he did at the beginning of the series finally clicked for you. <laughs> yeah, because you have Anders Holm, Bill Randa. You don't have they don't list John Goodman in here on the top billing at all. No, because he's only appeared. He only came in on set for one shot basically, and that was just um, uh, at the very beginning of the series. The yeah. opening of the series, and that's it. But usually, like when you have big names, you they usually get top billing even if they have a bit part. Yeah, I mean, it's really not that big. Okay, now move on. Watch it. Yeah, definitely it's watch great. it. It's on Apple TV. Get your free subscription to it if you can. Free trial and then to binge watch Ted Lasso. Binge watch. Yes. Uh, Monarch. Those are the two shows on that station. <laughs> I can definitely recommend are, are worth watching. Mm-hmm. Um. Everything else with that Apple TV provides is kind of med, hit depending miss. hit and miss, which depends on what you want to watch. Because I was actually going through like their top twenty shows, and some of their top twenty shows are like things that came out years ago. So um, like, they don't put out a lot of like new stuff, spam, like killer content. It's not like uh, Netflix where they have their huge library of just their own stuff. Yeah, and like Netflix also has also has the 
ability that they have other people's stuff too. Where Apple's yeah. like, this is just all our shit, and all their stuff is not always all that all that great. Um, but these two shows are definitely worth watching. Yeah. Now moving on to the newest Marvel show that came out called Echo. Um, this is kind of a continuation off of. Um, uh, Hawkeye and Daredevil. The Hawkeye show and Daredevil. She was introduced in the Hawkeye show. And then this is looks like it's more of like a lead-up show for the new Daredevil show that they're going to possibly yep. make. Um, but, like, we want to watch the first episode uh, called uh, Chaffa. Uh, but the what I've heard from what how the show was put together from Mark Bernard was that basically it was originally an eight-episode order that they said hey, make uh, give us an eight-episode show. Mm-hmm. And then they cut it down to five episodes. And, and I felt you really felt that in the first episode. Yeah, because the first episode is a clip show without, and but it's like it's done well enough where it doesn't feel like it's a clip show. Mm-hmm. It's about her kind of origin and everything, and then it goes through her event, the events that she, that we see her go through in Hawkeye to where she is currently. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, my my problem with it is that like, yes, the action's good and the combat's good, but as far as what this character's motivations are for anything, we don't know. Yeah. We don't know if we're looking at an origin story of a hero or a villain. I've never read anything that was uh, related to Echo in comics or anything. Um, I'm assuming she's a comic book character. Maybe she's not. Maybe she is. Or just kind of one of those side characters that they were hoping becomes big, like Harley Quinn. Although Harley Quinn was uh, originally from the cartoon. But regardless. Yeah. It, it, the thing is that like we don't know anything about this character. And what they showed us in the first... Uh, episode well that's not good you t- first thing you type in echo it's an amazon product all right so there are marvel comics echo echo marvel comics all right this was showed up in 1999 it, she showed up in daredevil so she's been a daredevil uh side character yeah and so okay so she's she's an established character and whatnot um and she has her own book she's most likely a hero but the thing is, is that the show doesn't really give us her motivations. Mm-hmm. So, like, unfortunately, we're at the end of we're like, and all we know is that she wants to take over Kingpin's organization. Yeah, because she allegedly kills, kills Kingpin, right? Like, she shoots him in the head at the end of the... Uh, Hawkeye. Hawkeye, show. right. And they show that again uh, in episode one. Yeah. Um, cause basically Hawkeye convinced her that, that, yeah, that Kingpin's organization and all that is the reason why her father died, not because he killed him, blah, 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 which honestly is still kind of stretched. Like you're Ronin, you're killing fucking criminals. You, you, you still killed. You killed her, you killed her father. It wasn't Kingpin hired you to kill her father. It was, you're killing criminals and you killed her father. Yeah. And part of the fucking trench coat, not the trench coat, the yeah. tracksuit mafia. Yeah. Again, white guy mm-hmm. kills the natives. Yeah. <laughs> so it doesn't so, like, look quite good so, for like, you, Hawkeye. <laughs> Even his way of trying to convince her, like, oh, well, it's Kingpin that killed him. It's like, that's a, that's a weak excuse. <laughs> but basically, she buys it. She kills. She allegedly kills Kingpin, shoots him in the face. Mm-hmm. Um, and then all we know about her goal, when she finally gets back to Oklahoma, her hometown, kind of, is that uh, she wants to take over his kingdom. And it's like, well, why? What are you going to do with it if you have it? Are you yeah. just going to be a criminal or are you going to do anything good because like they don't show her having any connection to her to her people other than like when she was a dot when she was a kid and her mother had died 
Because then after that, her father moved her to New York because he got the job with the trend, with the tracksuit mafia. Yeah, so, like, and like, how are you still super connected? Well, I guess they could have gone back for, <clears throat> like, vacation or something. Or maybe or something, but, like, we haven't seen, no, we haven't seen that yet. And, like, she's obviously saw Kingpin as family. Yeah. And then turn against him at the very end off of a whim with some white dude that a he whim. knows that killed her father. Um, So, like, we... Right now, I'm like, is this a villain? I don't care. I don't really care because, like, I have she has no connection to anything other than that. There's really uh, no motivation you see from her. Yeah, the only other th- than I need to get stitched up because I have a bullet hole in me, and that's yeah. Or anything, it. And then like, now I'm going to start trying to take over his stuff that's happening here in Oklahoma. I it's, yeah, like, like it's her, a little dodgy. Yeah, her. Her motivation is really where we don't know what any of it is. And, like, this whole first episode is a backstory of her where it's like, yeah, she had a sad childhood. Her mother was killed in a car accident that was designed to kill her father for whatever criminal stuff he was into. He moves the whole family to move him and her to New York because the mother's uh, in law uh, hates him and, th- and blames him for the daughter for the daughter's death. Yep. Uh, so whether or not they have any connection back seems uh, very little to none. And then she embraces the King Kingpin's organization like family, calls Kingpin uncle, and is more than happy to do Kingpin's dirty work. You know, on her first assignment when she stands her own against against Daredevil, and Daredevil yeah. runs away from her. Basically, she gets kind of pat on the head from a Kingpin that how that she's good and she enjoys doing that stuff. Yeah, so she so that's why she's a goon for the for them. Yeah. So it's like there's no motivation of this person being good by any means other than that she killed Kingpin at the end of... Or, yeah, and all that was for revenge against her father. Yeah, which is what we've been driving the whole time. So, like, the whole thing just doesn't flow very well. And then it seems like there's just a big emphasis on, look, she's Native American. Look, she's deaf. Look, she has a, she's an amputee. We're marking off all let's the boxes. check off all the boxes for diversity, but let's not actually tell a good story about this person. Yeah. At least they don't start off well. We'll have to watch the other four episodes to see, does this go anywhere good, or is this just going to be a intro, an intro platter for Daredevil to have his own show to mm-hmm. come back, and then they'll fucking forget about Eckhart to make her a side character. Because it really feels like they don't give a shit about her, considering it was ordered eight episodes, got five, then released all of them at once, which... We know Disney does that when they don't give a shit about a project. Uh, again, but just like uh, American-born Chinese, they yep. did the exact same thing. Like that is like the definition of like woke corporation, where like they just check off boxes for shit, and then they get they put no, uh, they have faith. no faith in the project, yeah. and they do everything they can that will ensure that it won't sell, so that they can say, "See, look, this isn't good." Can you put out all five episodes at once? Um, they did it. And they did it right after the Christmas holiday yeah. when everybody is still like getting back into the new groove and not really watching stuff and distracted by things, which is, which is when you put out shit that like you don't want people to you watch. You don't have any faith in, yes. <laughs> so like this is an easy way for them to say, hey, look, it's a loss. This is why we don't do this stuff because we should just cater to the white people's stories because that's the stuff that sells, right? Well, you didn't put any effort into this, as it seems. Yeah. And the f- little bit of effort that the people who did work on it do, who put effort into it, unfortunately get kind of shit on when they when they get their get told you have to tell your story in three less episodes all of a sudden mm-hmm. and i'll have to get it together now people who watch the whole thing um and their reviews have been it's a decent show and it is pretty good 
Uh, so hopefully our so, opinion will change. But like, yeah, as far as a character, this doesn't yeah. line, her, line her up very well for being a good character. Yeah. Episode one is, is rough. So hopefully the rest pan out a lot better and then makes up for it. But like you said, we'll we'll have to wait and see and watch the rest this uh, this week. And see, that's kind of the problem with, like, when they start doing a cultural show or American-made cultural show, like American-made Chinese or even this, is that, like, the very first episode here focused on, the very beginning focused on the Native American myth of, of the creation of, the, of the, that tribe of people. Mm-hmm. It gave us all this Native American lore and all this other stuff about her people, much like American Board Chinese gave us all this ancient Chinese lore, but it's done through such a, folk, a, a focused view of, like, Look, this is this is all their stuff, but not like told to us in the context like it would be told to somebody in that in that culture. Yeah, it's not. So it's just like being told like as a story. Yeah, like you need a storyteller. Yeah, I feel like I'm watching a, a, a book type. report about about somebody's history yeah. versus actually watching a story you about need it. an old grandma. So telling like, us what's happening. So the what's funny going thing on? is, is like if you take understanding of another culture's cultural stuff and the mm-hmm. best way I feel like to translate it like Big Trouble Little China does that where you're going through that world through Jack Burton's eyes who's an outsider yeah. who knows nothing about it again another so, kind of Russell, so they're giving every, all the explanation they give him about the Chinese history is like done through layman terms so people yeah. so he could follow it so like yes you could follow what's going on and understand it and yeah you get you then go, get curious and you get a deeper appreciation for where it came from versus Here's all this stuff. Look how cool it is. Okay, let's go back to our, our store, but let's not give any character growth yeah. at all. And just say, yeah, she's on a revenge kick. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah, but let's make sure you see that she's an amputee and that she's deaf and she has to communicate through sign language. It's like, okay, can she have a conversation with somebody that actually shows more than I want to kill kill whoever killed my father or I hate the world? Yeah. I mean, we need a little more yeah. depth to her, I feel. Hopefully, episode two might do more of that, but we'll have to check. Yeah. Um, right now, I'm not a fan of the show. And honestly, like, if we weren't actually talking about it, I probably wouldn't bother watching the rest of it. Well, tough luck. But the next show we're talking about also involves Natives, <laughs> Native Americans. Yeah, this is uh, season four True Detective called uh, Night Country. Yep. Um, I honestly watched, I think I watched all of season one. Yeah, we watched all of season and one. I never saw. I only saw bits of season two. I never watched the rest. Of it. I never got really hooked into True Detective. Yeah, um, the rest of them, I we didn't get hooked on. But this one caught my eye because it's Alaska, Jodie Foster, and I like that it's women forward, which is different from the other uh, seasons. Yeah, that's true. Because the detective pair was always two men, right? Yeah, it was always either like two men or just a man. Um, and it was always in uh, the regular lower 48 and kind of in a warmer element. So now we're up in Alaska. We're in the uh, time when there's no sun. So it's basically sundown. Yeah, the 30 for, days of darkness. Yeah, the 30, 40 days of dark. For them, they said in the show, I believe it's 40 days of darkness. So that kind of puts them up near closer to they're above the Arctic Circle, so they're closer to the Arctic Ocean, and is what my uh, guesstimate was. It's way further north of Nome, is where their uh, imaginary town is. 
Yeah, but you also had a problem with kind of how they depicted stuff. Yeah, and then I like zoomed in and I'm like, the town is much bigger than what some of the towns would be along the coast, but they're not that far off. And what are you looking at? I'm just like, it's a place called Arctic Village in like northern Alaska. It would not be there. They would be on the coast because they had a fishery in the town. Oh, which you have the pro- north coast here? Yeah, kind of up in the north close. Uh, so if you go, yeah, off to the east, west. West? To the east, east, yeah. East, here's the east. Or west. All right, here's the west. So you navigate yeah. the map. So we're looking at a map. So you, they wouldn't be that, they wouldn't be at the tip yeah. either. They would be where kind of the divot is. You should really cut this out because this is not good listening. Right yeah, as I always said, but basically they're supposed to be an Arctic Circle. They're northern. Alaska. I don't know why you're distracting me with a fucking. In northern Alaska, but basically <laughs> the thing is, is that this is a big town that looks more like you said Eagle River. Yeah, it's or... it's a lot bigger than I would expect yeah, it, that town to be. If you watch like Alaska, uh, Alaska Troopers, a reality show that they had a while back on Netflix, mm-hmm. they go to those rural towns where they're all just like. Double wides or single wide trailers. There's there's very few things there. One of the big things that that kind of threw me off was that like, uh, they had alcohol, which like those small towns are. Yeah, so small. that's why I'm thinking it's a bigger town up north of Nome, and they just made it bigger so they could allow the alcohol. Yeah. Than being, uh, just a native town because a lot of the native towns are alcohol free so this is so they're basing it off of more of a gnome type town but they put it further up north they're further north because it's supposed to be like the most northern city big city in alaska is kind of how they they, they, they described it. it so that would make sense and that would Kind of explain why there's so many white people there. Yeah, it's because I was also surprised. Like, all, the police force is almost all white. The All the scientists at the research center were... were well, well, that... All, that kind of makes sense because they were a mixture yeah. of people. But, like, there's a mining there's a mining crew. There's a fishery owned by all... This seems like run by all the white people. Which um, is kind of how it goes, unfortunately. Yeah. There. And it seemed weird that, like... I, and it's probably true that the natives there do get treated like shit. But it's like... It seemed weird to me that there's white people up here talking shit to native people who are even police officers. And it's like, excuse me, that's a police officer you're talking to. Why are you talking shit to her? Yeah. Like, you you know more about her native people than she does. Shut the fuck up. Yeah. But that's what you do get a lot up there, too. Yeah. It's like, oh, I've been here for 5, 10, 20 years. I know more than you, little native girl it's like excuse me yeah but essentially we got we got from one scene where basically a guy can't a guy beat the uh beat the shit out of his girlfriend at work and then her co-worker hit him in the head with a metal bucket and that's where we get introduced to the uh alaska trooper uh native cop Mm -hmm. who's there like uh to arrest the guy for uh hitting uh for hitting the chick for for abuse as soon as he wakes up um, but kind of a weird thing about, about this, and I guess, I guess the first season had a little bit of this where like, there's a supernatural element. Yeah. To it, it feels like a little supernaturally. And they do that, uh, when they're trying to find the, uh, scientists. Yeah. Cause this is where the whole thing starts with the scientists disappearing. Yeah. That's what kicks off the big, uh, mystery. And that's going to be our big, uh, 
That and like the worst Stephen King moment the, of the of the elk jumping off the cliff. Yeah, that no was reason. weird. So the opening of this show, uh, beautiful scene. Uh, we open up. There's caribou uh, eating some snow. We don't see any on little the sunset on the last sunset before total darkness. And you see a native with his rifle. Looks like he's going to shoot one, so he has meat for the winter. And then uh, as the sun is setting. And goes under, the caribou start freaking out and then just bolt and start running. And they run off a cliff and just fall to their deaths. Yeah, like, like lemmings. It like, like, made yeah. no sense. And I was confused. And so was the native guy. So we were both confused <laughs> as hell. And then it jumps to uh, a few days later when it's troll darkness uh, to this research base. Yes. And we're going going through seeing all the researchers interacting with each other, making yeah, sandwiches. All from different cultures, obviously. One guy's like, I guess, making a sandwich as a TikTok or a stream or something. Cause well, I think he's talking to like his family, yeah. like, oh, I'm making a sandwich. Look how beautiful it is. Yeah, it's like a good sandwich. And they don't have subtitles for his language, at least not unless you turn on subtitles, probably. So we didn't know what he was saying. One person's watching Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Really obnoxiously loud, honestly. It was that. really loud. Like every yeah. room in the in the research station could hear the scene he was watching, which was the parade scene. Um, there's two guys who are arguing about laundry. Um, there's a guy running on a treadmill. Yeah, so it's a pretty big research base too. It's like, wow, this research base has a gym, has obviously rooms for them. It's like full full facility, almost like you know the research base in the thing. Like it has everything you need. Yeah. Right? It gives off the thing vibe, yeah. too. Um, but they have access to leave if they need to, because they have trucks, and they could just follow the road Yeah, they have down. vehicles, and there's a quick, quick road to town and all that stuff. Um, but while the guy's making the sandwich, and like he gets done and goes, ta-da, on his camera, we notice there's a dude behind him with uh, his back to him, just like shaking. Yeah. And we're like, well, where did that guy come from? Because he wasn't there a second ago. And then the guy kind of tr- notices him, turns around and says, hey, are you all right? And, that's and then when the he guy just stops. And he says, she's awake. And then the light. He says it really quietly. And you're like, straining, like, did he just say she's awake? So yeah. we we're all confused. He just he just whispers, like, she's awake. She's awake. And, and then, then the lights, lights go, go off. off. <laughs> and then it jumps to a couple days later. A couple days later, like two, three days later. It's December 20th. 20th. And the delivery guy shows up with all their, like, food supplies. Yeah, food rations. For, for whatever time period that they, he normally drops off stuff. He was expecting people to help him. He pack, unpacks everything, goes in there, just yelling for people, hey, come help me with this stuff. I need you to I sign. I need you to sign. I got Where your fun Come on. Comes across the sandwich at the table and everything else, but nobody's there. The TV's still on blaring. That one scene from Ferris Bueller, for some reason, it's on loop. Yeah. And then he drops his pen, goes down to the ground, picks it up, and that's where he sees a human tongue. Yep. And so that's when the cops get the cops get involved with like it's called APF, but that's obviously a fictional thing. But like they're not troopers, but they're it's like it seems like a local investigation thing or a higher s- investigation. Like the it, yeah. like the real thing would be the Alaska uh, Bureau of Investigation. Yeah. So that's probably what they're emulating. Yeah. And for some reason, they couldn't use real acronyms for any for anything, so they use APF group. Um, but that's where Jodie Foster shows up um, mm-hmm. with uh, this kid. A kid, kid and then an older guy. An older guy who's the kid's father. 
He's also a cop. Yeah, we don't know what necessarily her relationship. We don't know if like they were married. And that's or not. I, I don't think they were. I don't married. think they were married. I don't think that was. That's her. Like, it's obviously not her kid. After no, no, no. Later on, but at first you're kind of wondering like what the hell's going on because she's like mentioning making mentions about his dad and him and like the dad doesn't respect her and it's not. It's like taking any order. So she turns and goes, "All right, kid, you're going to do this." <laughs> yeah, and then the dad ends up doing his job like he's supposed to. Um. But she's walking around, she's looking at stuff, and, like... Going through each uh, section of the building, every nook and cranny, just kind of noticing. She, like, opens the uh, washer, sees yeah. the clothes that's still in there, and she then... She figures out how to turn off the TV that's been playing on loop. That all, the, all the guys could do is put a blanket over it because they couldn't figure out how to yeah. find the cabinet that had the DVD player in it. Um, but basically, like... She makes the most obvious thing. We already know because we know how many days have passed. But like, the uh, dad cop is like, "Oh no, those are just probably on an excursion. We can't like." You yeah, know. they're just probably walking around. Yeah, because she's like, "Hey, we have to do a perimeter search. This and that. This is a yeah. crime scene." He's like, "Whoa, whoa, they might just be on a fucking hike. What are you doing?" He's like, "She's like, dude, the sandwich, the mayonnaise is like liquefied. That happens after days. The clothes have mildew on them in the washer. They've been gone for forty-eight hours. Yeah. Something's up here, and they're the tongue on the ground." And she sees, she identifies it as being... A woman's a, tongue. A native woman's tongue as there's marks on it that she recalls from another previous case that she tells the kid, like, hey, remember this other case where we saw this uh, this dead person, like, the tongue Was marks. missing? <laughs> well, I don't think she was talking to him about that particular case. I mm-hmm. think she was talking about a different one. She says, yeah, they get those marks from licking fishing lines, and that's how the tongue was scarred. And that's how she knew it was a native person's tongue. Um, she's making the assumption that it's a woman's because it might be tied to a, a previous case that comes up later. But right now at the beginning of the show, like they don't let, they don't allude to that. It's just, okay, bag the tongue. We'll find out what, uh, what happened, whose it is when the lab gets back. And then back at the home office, that's when our, uh, trooper shows up to Georgie Foster's office. Yeah. Demanding that, Oh, you found a woman's tongue. It must be connected to this other old case of this, Native woman who was, I guess, a activist and a protester um, who was then murdered, stabbed 32 times, and then had her tongue cut out. Yep, but it was never solved on who did it. <clears throat> yeah. Um, apparently, and, like, it's alluded to, like, she was probably, she's probably protesting the local mine, which is what employees ever... All, or the... Fi- was it the mine or the fishery? It was the mine. Oh, okay. Because, like, one guy, uh, her her brother works at the mine... Mm. The fishery is just where we saw where we got introduced to uh, the trooper at. Um, he was complaining that like fishing, like the fishing wasn't as good as the year before. That type of stuff, like the crabs. Okay. And that was the white guy complaining about. Th- we haven't heard anything else about that fishery since, but the mine has come up multiple times. Uh, one that her brother works there, and then two that like, she had protested stuff with the mine, and she had gone to some powerful person to complain to him about something else, which. Um, alluded to like uh her pissing off the wrong people that could have got her killed but there's nothing anybody could ever prove at the moment yeah Um, because communities like that are very tight-lipped and will not say anything and basically especially to a trooper and basically what this episode sets up it gives us the mystery like hey all these researchers are gone and, and missing uh there's some woman out on her own property who's seeing a 
a ghost figure or someone that's yeah, a guy leading her out somewhere. Yeah. Um, and you, but she knows who it is. He says, Jeremy, what do you want? And it's, it's clear, like, this isn't like, alive, dude. He's barefoot and no clothing. Yeah, in the snow, in the middle. Yeah, no. Yeah. <laughs> we don't know who she is. Don't know who her connection is. But this thing, the specter's, like, leading her somewhere on the side. But the rest of what we're seeing for the rest of the episode is mainly, like... A uh, story build-up of... Or a character build of Jodie Foster and the... The trooper chick. And, like, the trooper. So, basically, yeah. the trooper chick was, like, a very woman-forward, like, can't-stand-violence against women... Got us all those crimes, and she got busted down to a trooper and kicked off the AFP. She, no, she was encouraged to join the troopers by Jodie Foster, and we yeah, don't know exactly because she, she was about to get fired. Yeah, she so this was her way to keep her still somewhat in the loop because she wouldn't drop the case when they couldn't solve it. So she got basically booted down to troopers, works with the troopers, and then immediately mm-hmm. shows up when uh, when they, she hears that a tongue was found. That must be this girl's tongue. It must be connected. What's going on? Um, and it's not letting it go, obviously. And then the rest of it's just building up, like, the town's small that, like, this drunk driver almost hits Jodie Foster and them, and every, people yell, is that so-and-so again? And yeah. yes, it is. And when Jodie arrests her, she's like, you dumb bitch, what the fuck? And, like, it's the frustration of you're dealing with the town drunk. Again, again and again and again. He's a dumbass. Um, and it's then, like everybody knows everyone. Everyone knows everyone's business. Yep. Um, Jodie Foster is always, is the stepmother or not stepmother, but I guess foster parent for a native girl who's, I were assuming people died in a car accident. Yeah. I'm guessing like her parents or her dad yeah. passed. And like, cause basically Jodie has to go pick her up cause like apparently the kid was making porn with her 15 year old or 16 year old girlfriend. Who knows? Uh, like that, a fucking idiot. Like like a dumbass kid does yeah, herself. Like, oh, no, we're not gonna put it out. It's just for us. It's like you're, you're an idiot. <laughs> if it's digital and especially on your phone, it can get leaked so fucking easily or hacked. Yeah, well, like well, just well, don't do it. Just eight millimeter, mate. Eight maybe. millimeter, it. <laughs> yeah, it would so, be harder. <laughs> so <laughs> as the as she picks her up from that stuff and is like lecturing the kid on like on that topic, but, like, not wanting to talk about it, that's where the drunk driver almost hits them, and then that's where it flashes back to, like, summertime and the car accident, glass on the ground, but that's all the thing we get a shot of. We don't see anything else. But later on, the girl comes in and says, hey, we don't talk about this, and she doesn't allude to what it is, and then she says, hey, you don't have to be my mom, and then the girl leaves, because Jodie Foster still doesn't want to talk to her about anything, apparently. It's like... Bad parents are bad parents all the time. Apparently. Yeah, it, do- it doesn't matter who you are. Yeah. You're, <laughs> um, you gotta talk to your kids, people. So basically, Jody does think there's a uh, connection with old cases. Going through old case notes. Yep. Goes back to the si- to the facility. The native chick ends up. The uh, trooper. Trooper shows up there as well. The uh, then the episode kind of ends with them like, "Hey, we gotta find this jacket that was on." Yeah, because Joey Foster is looking at pictures and she sees a picture of the native woman with the same jacket, jacket. as pink, one of the researchers. Yeah, as one of the researchers, but hers is torn where the uh, smiley face patch used to be. Yeah, so there's a possibility that one of the researchers might have known who she is or had a knew her had a connection to her mm-hmm. if it is the same coat it's like kind of a, f- a far-fetched like this might be a connection let me go check yeah, it out because the troopers there trying to find stuff that might have belonged to the native woman and Just that's because... when jody foster's like 
You mean like a coat? <laughs> yeah. So like clearly these two are going to be working this case to try and find find out what's going on. Yeah. Um, but it's very clear the troopers motivated because it's violence against a woman. She wants she couldn't put the case down. Got in trouble. Well, it's for violence it. against a native, a native woman. woman, and she couldn't put the case down. Got busted down for it, and and the, any little glimmer of hope of solving it, she's now back into it. Yeah. Jodie Foster's enough characters is curious enough to reopen the old case to look at it. Um, and then kind of the episode ends with them finding the scientists, but they find them out in the snow, completely frozen. Yeah. Out in the middle of nowhere. But like, and they're, they're like you in just the see ground, a, like heads Yeah, and you hands. just see a couple of heads and then a few hands and it's like tear or pure terror on the, the faces. Like their eyes are open. It's horrific. Yeah. Just a few, uh, faces you see and it ends there. So... I'm excited to see uh, the next episode. Yeah, so it looks they set up a really good mystery that has a supernatural element to it mm-hmm. um, that we don't know and don't understand. And I felt like the first season they did that kind of with a cult thing, but like whenever like it's cult stuff, it's always ends up getting explained as like this is just somebody's own paranoia when they're hearing stuff and all that. Yeah, we the- don't know exactly what's going on here. I'm sure it'll get turned into some logical explanation by the end of it. But it's very interesting. It feels like very Stephen Kingish to me from the get go. Yeah. The first season didn't feel that way. It just felt like an interesting like detective story, where this definitely feels like a Stephen King kind of horror story with a detective story in it that's going to end up solving what's going on. Which that seems very interesting. Yes. Um. You can catch Night Country on HBO uh, Max. Uh, if you comes out on Sunday. Comes out on Sundays. It's like the new Sunday night show. Um. Looks like it is going to be six episodes long, mm-hmm. and they're about an hour an hour per episode. Um, so if you have HBO Max, uh, definitely check this out. This definitely seems interesting. Yep. Haven't seen Jodie Foster kind of play a cop role since uh, Silence of the Lambs, so it's mm-hmm. good to kind of see her back in like detective mode. Detective mode. <laughs> uh, so it's kind of cool uh, to see her replay a kind of role like this. Mm-hmm. Um. And, like, kind of the insight of, like, Alaskan life is, is a little bit there. Like you said, it's not what truly a northern Inuit town would look like. Yeah, because so like, it's, like, definitely But it's definitely, mixed. like, a, a middle, a good-sized, like, small-town Alaska town that's, like, dependent on its fishery, dependent on its mine for jobs. And then you have the cops you have to deal with, basically, domestic violence and alcoholism all the time. Yeah. And now you have this huge murder mystery thing. That's cool. They found all the scientists at the end, but why are they neck deep in the snow? And they're naked, too. Naked and, and frozen stiff. Like, what's going on? Yeah. What so, happened to them? Definitely very interesting. I'm excited to see what happens next with it. Um, and I say definitely check it out. Yeah. Um, so that's our show this week. Uh, hopefully, you can go you go check out Monarch on Apple. Echo, you can find on uh, Disney+. Plus. Well, and Hulu. And Hulu. We'll let you know... Uh, if that gets any better. If it gets any better. And we're excited to continue talking about uh, True Detective. Yay. Other than that, uh, we'll see what the new year holds for us as uh, new months keep coming by. I think uh, the biggest games coming out aren't going to land until February, which is like Persona 3 Remastered. Mm-hmm. Um, Dragon's Dogma 2 isn't coming out until the, I think, the end of March. Um, well, those are probably the only two big games I'm excited to play. I have to look and see what's all oh, coming out again. There's not a lot of big stuff coming out. I mean, Suicide Squad is coming up soon, but oh. the new reviews of that uh, that people got, the press reviews were all terrible, so then they had a lift embargo on the playtest so that the playtesters could say what little positive stuff they could say about it. 
basically the story and the and the cinematics look really good and are play out really well, but the gameplay is fucking boring and it's a live service. So this game is gonna bomb, Oof. and I would say pick it up when it's definitely on sale or it ends up being on a free for game pass or a free to play game because they're not gonna be able to support this game for three years with how it looks. Nobody, no, people who are buying it are gonna be the reviewers who are gonna buy it and trash it, and anybody who's gonna hate play it. Um, I mm-hmm. wouldn't spend full price on a game with this type of Genesis. press right now. Your money's precious. Just wait. So other than that, uh, we'll catch you next week. Uh, same place, same time on Tuesday. Uh, and have a great day. Bye.